Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? Doing good, thank you. We've got a little rain today, huh? <laughs> right. My garden is happy. <laughs> yeah. We got some rain, and we're going to see some sunshine, too. That's perfect. So, but things aren't perfect in Ukraine. No. Things aren't perfect in China. Things aren't perfect in Russia. <clears throat> but the place that we have the most personal responsibility for is the United States of America. And guess what? They're not perfect here either. Really? You know, a long time ago, they were talking about, uh, uh, on our committee, Foreign Affairs Committee, even before Daniel McAdams was around up in Washington. <laughs> but the subject came up for uh, condemning China for violation of civil liberties. And uh, I remember ma making the point, I said, uh, you know, that maybe, maybe that's not our jurisdiction. I said, do you, you do know that we still have some violations here that we could work on? And I mentioned a few. And I thought they would come down hard on me on that. But one person said, uh, you know, he spoke and he said, you make a good point. <laughs> but we're still doing it. We're still arguing. But we want to talk about what's going on in China. Um, because uh, we've been sort of trying to have two, one war, no war really exasperates the military industrial complex. Yeah. One war is okay, but you know, we're not, we, we're not seeing enough action, I guess, in Ukraine because they're still stirring up trouble. Uh, there are some people who would like to get Russia much more involved, you know, and get us more involved, but also at the same time, they said, well, while we're sitting around here waiting for action, Maybe we uh, we could aggravate China for a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Good way to put it. <laughs> and one of the things that I thought, uh, I didn't think a whole lot of Nixon, but uh, I had to concede the point of moving in the directions of at least talking to the Chinese. And yeah. There's been a lot of trade going on and a lot of wealth created. It's just that there weren't any true believers, and we still had the demagogues and the politicians come along and want to abuse them. But right now... Uh, We've been um, aggravating them, but they're striking back. And, uh, you know, with this oil embargoes around the world and, uh, you know, we don't want them to talk to the Russians. But we do everything in the world to make it necessary for them to talk yeah, to, the, exactly. to the Russians over the, over the oil. And uh, yet now, can you believe it? The Chinese stroke back and they said, you know, you Americans violate civil liberties, too. Yeah, yeah. a lot. But... So, so, you know, it's always back to the old thing. If you, if you try to make some points which, to the best of our ability, are, are objective, and they say, oh, you love the Chinese. But, you know, before this uh, Ukraine thing uh, broke out like it has been, China was the target. They were, they were worse people than the Russians. But now the Russians are worse than the Chinese, and, boy, they're coming together, and they're really bad people. And uh, it doesn't seem to bother them. I bother the establishment uh, about it. I can't believe that they're so blindsided <clears throat> that they figure, yeah, but we're making bucks. You yeah. know, we're making money, so it doesn't matter because uh, it it can go wrong and it can go awry, and yeah, and I think and fear that that's going to happen. But at least the uh, rhetoric is building and the anger is building, and uh, same way with uh, Russia, so unnecessarily. But to take on both those countries and drive them together, and they're already, you know, talking about 
and they have been talking about it. There's nothing more than they would love to see King Dollar dethroned. Yeah. And uh, it's not an easy job for them, but uh, we're helping them the most we can because eventually, that eventually, reserve currencies always self-destruct. Uh, you know, uh, and, and empires end. But uh, nobody can be absolutely sure. You know how quickly it will be and how things will go. But uh, I think you can predict events, but not the timing. And uh, most people are correct when they say, we can't keep doing this. Our empire will end, and the dollar will finally succumb <coughs> to the pressures. And uh, then maybe we'll have to spend more time trying to get along with people. Yeah, you know, it's really fascinating to watch this, what's happening here, because the U.S. desperately wants China to side with it in this Russia. In this Russia. I think China is a neighbor of Russia. China is an important trading partner. They're desperate to have China on their side. So what do they do? They go ahead and bully and push China and try to force them to go on their side. It's, it's amazing. U.S. diplomacy seems to consist of pounding the table and demanding that your adversary do what you tell them. Well, that may work with a small country that's enormously dependent on U.S. foreign aid, uh, but it doesn't work with big countries like China. And it's obvious that it's having the opposite effect. So you wonder, is it just the ineptitude of U.S. diplomacy? Um, is it the belief in their own rhetoric that we can bring them to heal? The U.S. is not going to bring China to heal. What they're doing is, like you said when you started, Dr. Paul, they're forcing China further into the arms of Russia, <laughs> and they're forcing this alliance to be stronger. Let's look at a couple of clips. This is what inspired our opening talk. This is from Zero Hedge. This just happened yesterday. U.S. unexpectedly sanctions China officials hours after demanding that Beijing contemn Russia. So the U.S. says, you better condemn Russia. The Chinese have been neutral so far. They've said they'd like to see the f fighting stop, but they stopped short of, defend of uh, condemning Russia. So the U.S. says, you better condemn them. And they said, well, we're not going to do that right now. I said, okay, we're going to add some sanctions. Put this next one on. Here's Blinken himself, probably the worst Secretary of State, at least that I've known. Maybe Albright is worse, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. Here's, here's Blinken. Perpetrators of human rights abuses must continue to face consequences. The United States has taken action to impose visa restrictions on PRC officials for attempting to intimidate, harass, and repress dissidents and human rights defenders inside and outside of China. Now, this isn't in response, Dr. Paul, to a specific event. It's something they pull out of their pocket at any time and make the claim that they chose to pull it out at this moment is enormously telling, and it absolutely backfires on the U.S. It's absolutely backfiring. You know, and, and you read the word in the headline that is important, unexpectedly. Yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> and, and it makes no sense, you know, unexpected, and it, it makes no sense, and yet they do it. Yet uh, they must believe that it's either, well, there's two things. Are, are they thinking in their mind that we will cause trouble and we'll benefit from the trouble? Because some of that goes on, you know, the, the more chaos we have, the more people will have to go looking for a new government and maybe they'll look toward Marxism. And that certainly has uh, been the argument with, with COVID. But, uh, but, but, but this out of the clear blue, it seems to, uh, you know, contradict, uh, you know, the, the, the foreign policy. Richard Nixon probably wouldn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, here's kind of the backstory of this whole thing, too. And let's do the next one, because this, if you remember, I think was last week, and this was the big story that came out, and the American journalists, just being stenographers for the state, repeated it without looking into it at all. Put this up. U.S. official, of course, unnamed, Dr. Paul. U.S. official, Russia is seeking military aid from China. 
and the whole story went down that you know Russia is desperately trying to buy rockets and things. Uh, no sourcing of it whatsoever. Obviously a planted story. And here's what China says in response. Go to the next one. This is a week ago. China de denies malicious COS reports that Russia sought their military aid for the Ukraine war. So China says, no, we're not, they didn't ask us for anything. What are you talking about? But nevertheless, go to the next one. Here's the U.S. response to that. U.S. will punish China if it gives military aid to Russia, Blinken says. So it's, it's, the whole pattern is insane. And where does it come from? It comes from this. Do the next one because this is, this is uh, right after the invasion of Ukraine. Ukraine invasion. China abstains from voting on the UN Security Council resolution condemning Russia. That's what started it off, Dr. Paul, because the US demands that China view the situation exactly as Washington does. There are black hats and white hats. You better get on, as, remember as George W. Bush says, you're either with us or you're against us. <laughs> and that's what the US demands. And China it doesn't need to play that game because it's big enough that it doesn't need to. And it doesn't want to play that game, so it won't. And the US response is so telling. And if anything, Dr. Paul, it shows the weakness of the U.S. position, not the strength. If you tell someone to jump and they say how high, that's one thing. If you tell someone to jump and they say no and you can't make them jump, then it's evident for the, to the entire world that the strength that, you thought, that people thought you had is not there. You know, it may be a reflection of the weakness in our economy in comparison to the others, and nobody wants to admit that because we've been on top of the heap uh, all this time. But I think that goes on. I mean, people, you know, uh, don't want them to be a powerhouse. They don't want them to be number one. And you hear it on television all the time. We've been number one. Why are we letting them go? We have to be number one. And they're measuring GDP and, and this sort of thing. But the, 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 the whole thing is, is on some statistics, you know, like uh, sales. Uh, we, we buy more stuff from them than they buy, buy for us. Well, we get to dump our paper money on them yeah. over there, and yet we still, and, and, and you know, their balance of payments are quite different. Ours are negative, theirs are positive, and they have this money. And I, I think it's a little bit of, like jealousy because it isn't that uh, uh, communism, they have a form of communism that all of a sudden is more successful. It's the fact that they, they, they even call themselves communists, but they're not really, uh, you, you know, they're not uh, Stalin yeah. communism. You know, what they do, there's a, you know, what is amazing about China is finally when they threw in the towel on rigid communism, it took about two weeks be, because their, uh, uh, their secret service in, in China all of a sudden became billionaires. They, yeah. they have businesses immediately. And I think in a, in a way they have some successes that uh, they can undersell us and, and we have, we don't say, well, maybe uh, it's inflation, uh, maybe it's our regulations, maybe it's, it's this that, that we do, maybe it's, uh, you know, unionism or whatnot, maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, militarism that has done this, maybe our debt does have, it. they do not want to look at that because it might mean that we have lived beyond our means, we have been extravagant and we ought to back off uh, and that uh, they, 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 couldn't they couldn't consider ever the fact that maybe there's one item in, in uh, Russia, uh, China, uh, China's uh, communism that has uh, so-called uh, communism has worked better than what we're doing. 
And, uh, and I, I doubt if anybody on our program will think that's a soft spot in my heart for yeah. what they're doing because, yeah. because I want non-intervention and that's, uh, and that's the big thing, non-intervention protection of liberty across the board. And that's the only way we'll re achieve peace and prosperity. Well, if it's not enough to start poking China now at the, the worst possible moment when you actually want them and need them to be more friendly, the, the, the U.S. government, the State Department, the Biden administration has taken it even a step further and put on that next clip from the Hill. And not only are they taking on China, they're taking on the largest democracy in the world, India. And here's from the 3rd of March. Biden is weighing sanctions on India over Russian military stockpiles. India is a big customer for Russian weapons. And the U.S. says, you can't buy that stuff anymore. India says, well, we need it and we want it. And so we're going to sanction India as well. It does kind of, Dr. Paul, I hate to be crude, but it reminds me of a drunk at a bar who all of a sudden gets up and wants to fight everybody at once. And everyone just looks at him and saying, what are you doing? I mean, this is the stupidest thing you can possibly do. Yeah, it gets, it gets difficult to look at it in a, in a balanced way. Maybe there is a strategy to create chaos and, and this disruption. But uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, to, it's hard for us to accept that. That is the reason. It, it's much easier to say, you know, there's some stupid policy going on here. And uh, I, I think it only happens because it's bipartisan. You know, when it comes like a vote, you know, to sanction and, and punish and, and, and cause the breakdown of trade and, and build up these deficits, uh, you, you know, it's overwhelmingly bipartisan. So it's, it's strictly, you know, it's, it's strictly philosophic, boiling down to ideas that have been around and it involves, you know, our educational system, the whole works. But when it's when it's done to the point of demagoguing and making this point that, uh, uh, you, you know, you don't know what they're doing because they don't work from the uh, from, from the basis of, of knowing there's a basic moral principle to yeah. follow. Because because they're they're satisfied with not even dealing with that. That's an annoyance for them. If you had to deal with the moral significance of why are you doing this? You know, most wars are like that. Why do why do the people fight these wars? There's no moral significance most of the time. Yeah. Why why uh, two sides can let this these wars build up to the point where. Who suffers the most? The kids, the children, the, uh, the civilians who could care less about, you know, motivating people to go to war. Uh, so it's 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 a shame. But uh, so that that means to me that none of this gets solved without a uh, a moral issue being discussed and at least uh, try to get people to accept that. You know, and it's and that that those principles have been around for a long time. You know, this idea about. Uh, Killing and stealing is an issue that's been around for a few thousand years. Yeah. Well, the next one is a little aspect of this, but it actually speaks to a larger phenomenon that we've talked about for the past couple of years. And this is at a press conference yesterday with Jen Psaki, the White House spokesman. And someone asked her about uh, whether she thinks that companies should pull out of Russia, U.S. companies should pull out of Russia, because, you know, a lot of them have McDonald's pulled out, I think Coca-Cola, whatever. They've all pulled out. In fact, we can put that that next clip up just to open this, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Dr. Paul. Upon being asked by a reporter about whether Western companies should still operating in Russia should stay, Saki claimed the U.S. government has, quote, not asked any company specifically to take steps to pull out. We have applauded those who have made the decision, and they're going to have to make decisions of their own regard. 
That's pretty interesting in there, isn't it? It's a cop-out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they know what they're doing, and we know what they're doing, but most people listen to the demagogues, and uh, they're, they're told that we're holier than thou, and uh, we do this with uh, high purpose. But, you know, this uh, whole thing's... Uh, of saying that our government didn't force them to do it. You know, it's same argument as with COVID. Yeah, Remember yeah. how, the, uh, how the, the corporate state participated and did exactly what our government wanted. They did all the punishment. The corporations become the army from the uh, corporate state. The, the government, which, of course, is run by the deep state Republicans and Democrats. So they go out and they use those uh, these things to go ahead and let make the companies do it. And then they say, oh, no, we haven't done anything to restrain freedom of speech. And that's, uh, you know, uh, you know, that that elicits all this arguing back and forth. And and even on this one, I've used the word neo uh, neo fascism because it's not quite like Hitler fascism. Yeah. But you know what? I'm sort of tired of using the word at all yeah. because it's such a gross distortion. The the Antifa, uh, the people who shout the loudest. And I have a rule. The louder they shout about something like fascism, the more they are supporters of fascism. Yeah. And uh, that that's the thing that people have to realize. And that we, uh, uh, I, I like to use the word of authoritarian corporatism. Yeah. You know, and you can apply that across the board. And, you know, even some of the progressives that have, you know, become weak about war, uh, they still cling and understand why corporatism is because you, you know uh, that, that that word's been around a long time where corporations take over and there is a tendency uh, for this so the, the corporate state i i think is uh, i think i we can get a broader audience uh because right now nobody knows who the fascists are are the fascists the liberals or the democrats oh the liberals say well oh, is that's Right-wing extremism yeah. and the right-wing extremism. Oh, no, it's Antifa. They're the ones who caused all the, all the riots in the streets last year. So, uh, but it's authoritarianism. It's the use of force that causes these conflicts. And, uh, and fascism, um, in a way, it's an ugly word, but it's totally distorted. And, uh, and, and you, you, if you use it too carelessly, and look at what what happens. Say, oh, that means you're a Hitler, right? Yeah. You know, then, then all of a sudden, you know, you get, there's cancellation and all this. But it, it, it's ownership of property that is the big thing, because even though. Uh, you, you know, the government doesn't own our property. They own it because they control it, whether it's through regulations or taxation, yeah. public pressure. They control the media. They control the social media. So they can turn this into a real moral issue of, you know, who's allowing It's not us. We protect the First Amendment, which is, you know, nothing. That's a pretty far stretch. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, that's exactly what they did during COVID with the social media. Hey, we never told uh, Twitter to ban everyone that that questions uh, natural immunity. Uh, they, it just happened. It was on their own. But we, we applaud it. <laughs> so the last thing we want to talk about now is it's more about propaganda than everything. You know, and the American people have been fed this idea that there are absolute white hats and absolute black hats uh, in the conflict in Ukraine and Russia. And that if you don't take one side over the other, you are an incredibly bad person. It's very similar to what happened with the vaccines and the COVID. If you don't come down on the side of Fauci, you want people to die, you're a bad person. And the reality is there is a lot of gray area. 
And you know, the U.S. media has been fawning over Zelensky in Ukraine uh, as the, you know, as the white knight, or as Colonel McGregor says, Mother Teresa. Well, it's not exactly the case. And this happened yesterday. Let's put this, this next article on. This is from the week. Zelensky nationalizes TV news and restricts opposition parties. <coughs> what he actually did is he banned every opposition party, including the number one opposition party, from conducting any activities. And he took all the media and said, now you're all unified as one media because we have to speak with one voice. So when you're talking about this being a war to protect democracy in Ukraine, uh, all of a sudden it becomes very suspicious when you see actions like this. And if people only realized that this crisis did not start on February 24th, they would realize that before the election, several opposition parties were banned and their leaders had been jailed and opposition media had been closed. And this is a pattern, has been a pattern in Ukraine for a long time. Uh, but you don't hear about it. Now we're hearing a little bit about it, even in all the hysteria. You know, in times of war, people are more lenient uh, with the government when the government limits speech because it's such a serious thing. And uh, that's what we've done in this country from the beginning of our history. Yeah. And especially it was a, a pretty strong issue, powerful issue during the Civil War. Yeah. You know, if, if you didn't pick the side of the North, you you could go to prison, yeah. you know, and uh, this... So, so we're we're of course uh, not angels, and yet we demagogue it. It's a issue that you can easily uh, demagogue, but uh, speech is so important, and this is uh, one of the reasons why I listed uh, the First Amendment as as the uh, key uh, amendment. You know, uh, individual right. Because if we can't talk about this, yeah. how, how can you? How can you? How can you work on coming across with peaceful persuasion and changing people's minds? And yet, that that is the one that they they attack, and uh, it's 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 difficult because I think there's total confusion. I know some pretty good people that I respect who are pretty good in being a, a reasonably good progressive, which is good. Yeah. You know, at least they believe in something. But sometimes when they argue the First Amendment, they are just so bad. They're trying to have a better manager of language. It's yeah. like having, you know, what we need now is a better better manager to be uh, head, of the, head, head of the Federal Reserve System. Yeah. All of a sudden, the system works. It doesn't work that way. So it, the people want, uh, want somebody that uh, is going to take care of everything. But you can't do it. You can do it, though, if you understand how important property is you know uh, it's it's the uh, it, it's the ownership of property that make a difference some of these liberals who try to come up with a balanced approach and say, you know make sure that both sides are equally protected uh, on a on a uh, radio station well is it a government radio station or is it a private <laughs> station if you're on a private tra station we wouldn't be very happy uh, we want freedom of speech is much or better than most people but we we certainly uh we certainly would be pretty upset if somebody walks in this door on private property yeah. with us trying to get a message out. We worry more about how the government and their agents are going to yeah. restrain us. Yeah. So that that is uh, something that I think if people emphasize the property, get property in a church. You can't come in my church and yeah. you know and and tell us what we can say or can't say. If then you end up with what we just saw, eleven. Uh, 
uh, 11 individuals were banned, uh, uh, you know, because they were speaking out and the outlets. We have to, one thing that got me on that was, we have to speak with one voice. One voice, yeah. <laughs> that sounds very democratic. And the irony is that the main political party that was banned when the Russians first came in, condemned it and said the Russians must leave. They weren't saying go Russia. <laughs> the opposite. But what's interesting, you know, that people, the reason why Joe Rogan is hated by the mainstream media is because he tells inconvenient truths. He will throw something out that is so obvious to everyone that the mainstream media would rather sweep under the rug. And here's something that came up, and I think it was uh, 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 Watson who put this uh, up today. Let's put this next clip on because he points out something in the frenzy to embrace Zelensky as the best thing since sliced bread. And here's a video, we won't show it, it's Steve Watson. Uh, Rogan ex exposes how the West has done a complete 180 on corrupt Ukraine. And put the next one on. Uh, here's just a couple of quotes. And Rogan said, I have the screenshot someone sent me about the way that people on the left were talking about Ukraine situation before the war. He said, this is one of the things that's so weird. They were very disparaging of Ukraine. They were talking about the massive corruption and how horrible it was over there. And now all of a sudden they're looking like heroes, the same exact people. That's what's confusing. And then he went on to read some headlines. And I've seen the thing I think someone had sent him about the, all the talk was only about corruption. And now you don't dare uh, bring that up. You know, the last thing I'll say about it is that Tucker Carlson had an interesting monologue last night where he talked about this banning of the political parties in Ukraine. Uh, and while being very con condemn condemnatory of Russia's invasion, he simply points out that the people who are making excuses for Zelensky doing this, and he puts it more like Democrats and Republicans, maybe it is more Democrats, but the people who are making excuses for this, they're, they're, they are applauding this because that's exactly what they would like to do in the U.S. And you've seen, I saw something last week about how they wanted to ban one Republican candidate for office because he was uh, insufficiently uh, condemning on the January 6th. So they use things like the January 6th insurrection. They use things like uh, the Trump-Russia-gate thing. All these things, they actually like this idea. And I would say not just the Democrats, but certainly there's that group there that likes the idea of banning your political opposition, banning any thought, ban you from social media, ban you from public life, ban you from public office. And I think he, I think Tucker really hit it on the head when he said, that's why it doesn't bother them, because they like it. You know, um, you could say that could lead to violence. No, that is violence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because to do that, you have to use violence. You know, I use the word a lot, demagogue, and I think that's what we're talking about all, all so often. People saying these things, and you do know, you do know that uh, they're really lying. But I, I see that demagoguing. Uh, it's the absence of the use of reason, and it's usually the politicians. They, they want to avoid it, and they certainly don't want to introduce the notion that there should be a moral restraint, uh, you know, in anything we, we do or say. But it's, it's unlimited, unlimited deception that can go on this way. And uh, the worst part of it all is uh, they, they don't see that as, they, they don't admit, well, we have to have a little uh, noble lie here and there. We know we're fibbing a bit. They get to the point where, uh, you know, if they see that from their viewpoint, they're doing the Lord's work, they're doing good. 
and uh, you know why why shouldn't uh, you you know a war that is to stop uh, somebody or uh, redistribute wealth and feed the poor and and do all kinds of things you know with a so-called noble purpose uh, then then it, then it's okay but nobody realizes that's the beginning of the war because any time you use force to bring about changes whether they're economic changes or international changes or social changes uh, the war has already started and uh, that of course uh, is 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 what's gone on through, throughout all of history but there's been periods of time when things have gotten better and we'd have to believe that if we applied uh, the rules of decency that life could be a lot better because communities can do it there's been histories of communities living peacefully and and doing quite well because they basically agreed on a certain moral principle yeah i'm all done dr potter and have any any fun last minute things today very good <laughs> just when you've got the people after listen they want to hear <laughs> I want to th thank all our viewers once again uh, for, uh, for, for tuning in, and obviously we're going to persist on this, and, and uh, it's, it's turned out that obviously there are some analogies to be made between the battle against COVID and the, and the battle against, uh, you, you know, the, the uh, authoritarians internationally and what's going on and the wars that are being fought and our military industrial complex. But to me, it's all the same thing as the use of force. And why should it be so difficult to agree that, you know, that, uh, yes, you should strive for change and improvement and make the world more peaceful. But you, you can't, no matter how right you may see, uh, see, seem to be, that you can't use force to, uh, you know, have that, uh, have that come about. Neo-Jacobism, Jacobism, you know, makes this point. You know, yes, they had wonderful ideas, but we're going to use an iron fist to do it. And so many people really come to the believing that that becomes it becomes so, sort of a, 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 a their whole purpose, their whole guideline. And we've heard that so often during the COVID battle. And we continue here. It's it's almost like uh, you, you know, it almost becomes like a religion. And if you don't obey, you you you're going to be punished. And uh, and that that is not good. I tell you, that is not good. And everybody should be concerned about it. And everybody has a role to play to try to improve oneself and then pass the message around to show people that living in peace and prosperity is not that difficult if our goals are set that way. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.